Good morning. This is Pastor Mike. Today is our second lesson in the series called, Can God Really Do It? Can God Really Do It? Our lesson today is entitled, Can God Really Save Your Soul? Let's read from God's Word. We'll start with John 3, 16 through 17. This is the King James Version this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In this passage detailing the conversation between the Lord Jesus and Nicodemus, the Lord says very plainly that he came into the world to provide salvation for all men. The matter of salvation is of vital importance to every person under the sound of my voice and throughout the entire world. You see, what you do about your salvation will determine where you spend eternity. Before we move deeper into, the, into this message, I want to offer up a definition. You know, too often, we Christians forget that we're a little bit like a subculture. What I mean is that we have our own dialect, and sometimes the things that we say are simply confusing to those who don't know our lingo. One word that I want to define today is the word Jesus used in verse 17. Jesus tells us he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's that word saved that I want to consider for a moment. Now, we throw that word around in our sermons and our testimonies, but those who are not saved may not understand what we mean when we use the word saved. So to clear up any confusion, I want to tell you what that word means. The word saved comes from the Greek word sozo. This word literally means to save, to keep safe and sound, and to rescue from danger or destruction. The word means literally to save one from injury or peril. It means to save a suffering one from perishing, that is one suffering from disease, to make well, heal, and restore to health. It means to preserve one who is in danger of destruction to save or rescue. To save in the technical biblical sense, to deliver from the penalties of messianic judgment, to save from evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. If this word has that meaning, then why do we use it in regard to the soul? That's because man in his natural state is a sinner. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. When we come into this world, we arrive here already under a death sentence. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. We are all born under the same sin of Adam. Preachers, deacons, elders, members, teachers, we are all born under the same sin of Adam. And when we come into this world, we arrive here under a death sentence. You see, unless a person is saved, then they will die in their sins, and they will spend eternity in hell forever separated from the presence and power of Almighty God. Now, no right-thinking person wants to think that that could happen to them. 
Therefore, we must know how we can be saved. That's something I will explain as this message unfolds. Now, we know what it means to be saved, and I think that we all want that for ourselves. We're about to find out how to be saved. All that remains in this one question is one question, one question, I'll say it 33 times, can God really save your soul? Can God really save your soul? That is, if you do what the Bible says and receive his plan of salvation, can God really save you and keep you out of hell? That's the question I would like to answer this morning. Can God really save your soul? Can God really do it? And this morning I say, yes, he can. And I'm about to give you three reasons why. God made a promise to save. We talked about last Sunday, we talked about God's promises. God does not lie. God keeps his word, unlike mankind. You see, it's an old promise, very old promise. In the beginning, when God made man in his image and man made a conscious decision to sin against the Lord, God made a promise to Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God's promise to provide a means of salvation is even older than that. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 tells us that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Peter takes it even further. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 says, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. These verses tell us that even before there was a sinner to save, before there was even a sin to cleanse, the Lord had already formulated a plan to redeem sinners and save mankind. His is a plan older than man, older than sin, older than Satan, and older than hell. God's promise to save is an old promise that will never, ever fail. You know, even in the Old Testament, there are glorious glimpses of the promise of God to save sinners. Look at Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11. God has always been and will always be a saving God. His promise to save is as old as God himself, yet it is as new as the day when you call on him believing in faith. It's an ongoing promise. While God's promise is older than the world and even older than mankind, it still has all the power of the Almighty behind it. The promise is as valid today as it has ever been. Take note of John chapter 5, verse 24. John 3, 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. This promise has never and will never lose its great power. God is a saving God, and nothing will ever change that. If you'll remember from our lessons on the final countdown all the way through God's judgment being reaped upon mankind, God was still in the business of saving souls. Yes, God is a saving God, and nothing will ever change that truth. This promise is an open promise. You see, God's plan of salvation is not limited to a selected few, but it's a promise that's offered to all men. There are several passages that bear out this truth. 
Look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. John chapter 6, verse 37. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. John chapter 6, verse 47. These are just to name a few. Pastor, why are you giving me all these verses? Because I only have about 30 minutes, and I figure that you can write them down. It's clear from these verses that anyone who senses the need for salvation can be saved by the grace of God. John chapter 7, verse 37. The only requirement for participating in God's plan of salvation is that it is for sinners only. If you're good, you cannot be saved. If you're righteous, you cannot be saved. Jesus came for the lost and for them alone. Look at Mark chapter 2, verse 17. There's nothing that you can do to earn the plan of salvation. The fact is that we are all sinners. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 22. Therefore, we all qualify under the terms of salvation. The problem is that not everyone is willing to admit his or her guilt. Yet the Bible tells us that we are in sad shape apart from God. Look at Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6. In fact, it tells us that the best we can produce out of our own self-effort is a pile of putrid, filthy rags in the sight of Almighty God. In simple terms, we need what God has to offer us in His plan of salvation. God has the power to save. Now that we know that God has promised to save those who receive His plan of salvation, we need to know that He can do what He says He will do. Because how does God go about bringing men unto Himself? And when a sinner does go to God for salvation, how does he or she know that God can do what he has promised? Perhaps spending a few minutes looking at God's power to save will clear up any ideas or areas of confusion. He has the power to call the sinner. No one can be saved when they feel like it. The Bible says that the sinner apart from God is dead. That is, they possess no spiritual life and they're unable to approach God on their own. Romans chapter 3 verse 11. The only way the sinner can be saved is for him to be called by God. John chapter 6 verse 44. John chapter 6 verse 65. Salvation is a process that always originates with God in heaven. You see, it never begins with man. Now don't worry. I believe that God gives every man an opportunity. Look at John chapter 1 verse 9. Never presume upon God. When he calls, that's the time for you to come to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. God is never obligated to call again. Therefore, don't bank on time. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. James chapter 4, verse 14. And by the way, don't run from the repeated calls of God. God has the power to convert the sinner. You see, when a sinner places his or her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, God does a work of grace that's so powerful in their life that it cannot be explained in human terms. Things of such a profound spiritual nature take place and it boggles the mind. Just a few things to help you understand what I'm saying here. First of all, number one, all sin is immediately and completely forgiven. 
Psalms chapter 103, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 17. 1 John 1, 7. All sin is immediately and for, completely forgiven. God no longer remembers your sin. The sinner becomes a child of God. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. The sinner is delivered from sin. If you look at the power of sin in Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Look at the penalty of sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. And John, uh, John chapter 5, verse 24. Look at the presence of sin. Revelation chapter 21, verse 27. You see, the sinner becomes a joint heir with Christ. Romans eight seventeen. The sinner inherits a heavenly home. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. The sinner becomes a saint. Even the carnal Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 are called saints. You see, when Jesus saves you, he changes you forever. There are some that he that he's changed by his own power. Saul, Act 9. Nicodemus, John 3, 17 and 19. Zacchaeus, Luke 10. The dying thief, Luke 23. You know, it may not prove anything to you, but I know what he's done for me, and that's all the proof that I need. You know, there are many more references and blessings that could be named but these are sufficient to prove that when God saves the sinner, he has the power to change them forever. He has the power to conserve the saint. You see, when God calls and the lost person responds to that call, and they receive Jesus into their life, is it possible for that person to ever be lost again? Is it? Does a saved person ever have to worry about becoming unsaved there are many denominations and others who would say yes. However, the Bible says otherwise. You see, I don't, I'm not concerned about what you believe or what a pastor believes or what a pastor thinks. What I'm concerned about is what is in the Word of God, what the Word of God says, and the Bible says otherwise. You see, not only does God have the power to call and convert sinners, He also has the power to keep them saved forever. There are several verses that prove this great truth. I'll give you a moment. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. John 3:16 through 17. John chapter 10 verse 28. John chapter 6 verse 37. John chapter 6 verse 47. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. You see, even the word saved loses all power and meaning if the saved one is still in danger of being lost. It makes no sense. If I can lose my salvation before I get to heaven, then I cannot be saved until I get there first. And if that's true, then there is no genuine salvation on this side of eternity. I thank God that when salvation is given, it cannot and will not be taken back again. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. <clears throat> Thank God there is still there's power in the Lamb to save the sinner. God made a provision to save mankind. 
He provided a very precious substitute. You see, when man sinned in the garden, man fell under the curse of God. For a man to be redeemed, a man had to die. However, not just any man would do. The one who died would have to be a perfect man, one without sin and without any wickedness. See, God, knowing our need and our inability to do anything about it ourselves, he provided a perfect substitute. God gave us none other than his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the gift of God in Christ proves God's love for you and for me. You know, you may not understand it this morning, but when Jesus dies on the cross, he is literally taking your place. He is dying for you. Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, John chapter 1, verse 29. When Jesus was on the cross, God transferred your sins to Jesus, and he died to pay your price on that cross. When he died on the cross, he took all the sins of mankind all the way back to Adam and all the way forward to the end of the world, and he took those to Calvary with him, and he, they were transferred to him, and he died to pay that price on the cross for all mankind. He provided a perfect sacrifice. When Jesus was on that cross, his death and sacrifice were sufficient to provide for the saving needs of the entire world. He gave himself once and for all that we might be able to be free from the grip of sin and that we might be able to experience God's perfect salvation which is available through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he was a perfect sacrifice. It will never have to be redone. You know, Hebrews chapter 9 verses 24 through 28 and chapter 10 verses 10 through 14 says it was a once and for all sacrifice. Many in our day want to do away with the blood of Jesus. May I remind you that without his precious blood, there is no salvation possible for any man. Far too many of us think that a little re religion is enough. Religion can't save Neither can any ritual or practice. Nothing saves but faith in the shed blood of the Lamb of God, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. God provided a plan of salvation. Now we come to the crucial question. If God promised to save man, if he has the power to save him, and if he has provided the means to save him, how does one go about being saved? The answer is found in the verses that we read this morning in John 3:16 and through 17. The Bible tells us in no uncertain terms exactly what a person must do to be saved from their sins. The answer is to believe on him. This is explained to us in great detail in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10. You see, these verses tell us that to be saved, we must acknowledge the claims of Christ and we must transfer our faith from works, religion, self-effort, self-righteousness, or whatever it may be that we're trusting in, we need, to, we need to trust in Jesus and him alone for our soul's salvation. 
You see, salvation is simple. Acts 16, 31, and Romans chapter 10, verse 13. But mankind wants to keep complicating it. The best thing we can do is to simply take God at his word and accept salvation as what it is, the gift of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. You know, it may be that there's someone in the sound of my voice this morning that's been plagued with doubts about salvation. Maybe there are those here who know that they're not saved. But today, the Holy Spirit could have spoken to your heart and you're ready to come to the Lord. See, God is calling and you know what you need. You may be asking, can God really save my soul? I invite you to find out for yourselves that God can really do it. You know your heart, and all I ask you to do today is to listen, listen to the call of the Spirit of God in your soul. If you need something from the Lord this morning, I challenge you to come and get it right with God right now. Will you obey the Lord today? Bow with me. Heavenly Father, we humbly seek your face this morning, knowing that you are the architect of all creation and because you can do it. Father, we also know that you're in the business of saving your creation. And Father, we know that you can do it. Lord, there are some in the sound of my voice this morning that has never accepted your son Jesus or, or placed their faith into something that is so great and so wonderful that we can't really fully comprehend it. But Father, this morning, I ask you to speak to the heart of the audience so they can know the love that you have for your children. Please put aside their fears of, I don't know enough, or I'm just not strong enough. Put these words in their heart that God can do it and urge them, urge them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. <clears throat> Father, I know there are some here that are saved, but for whatever reason, they've fallen away. And maybe it was life circumstances, maybe it was something that somebody said, but Father, they've fallen by the wayside. Father, I ask you to speak to their hearts as well, and let them know that you are standing there with your arms wide open to welcome them back. And your son Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the precious gift of your son Jesus and for his life-giving blood. For it's in his name, Lord, that I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You know, if someone made a decision today, I would like to know about it. Please send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org. Or visit our, our website at www.christ-lives.org. Visit our contact page there and send us something through the compact, contact page. I thank you all for your time and attention today. I want to leave you with this one final statement. Can God really do it? God can really do it. And God is faithful to do it.
God bless you and keep you. Amen.